I learned from my mentor. I told you I had a mentor for some 20 years, Santiago, and he told me that, you know, he was a hypnotist for many years before I met him, and uh, he had quite a bit of experience. And when I became a hypnotist, I asked him about this, and he told me, well, look, the secret to this whole thing is that your unconscious mind has to communicate with the unconscious mind of the client or the subject, as we call it. And... Um, and the truth is that you go into hypnosis with them. If you don't, you can't do the work. So both of you are in that state. You know? So somehow that made sense to me. Somehow when he explained that to me, it made sense to me. So I would spend all day in hypnosis, really, because, you know, I would start working in the morning, one client after another. Sometimes I wouldn't even take a break. And you're in that altered state all day long. And, uh, you know, it's funny, Christina sometimes tells me, look, you got to organize the office, you got to charge people, and you got to remember to charge people. Well, when you do 10 sessions a day and you're in that state all day, sometimes you don't even think about charging, like you're so, you know, you're thinking of other things. I don't know, it's difficult because those are two different realities. But to answer your question, and she's right, by the way, of course. I'm, I'm just saying that, you know, like you're in that state all day and you kind of forget a few things, but you forget things that, don't belong in the world, I guess. But to answer your question, when a person is in front of me and they're talking about the situation, my job is to relax as much as possible as they're describing the problem, as we're discussing what we're going to be doing. My job is to remain as neutral as possible. We call this the zero desire state. This is a term that we use in therapy. Because if I have a desire that you heal, that desire might seem really innocent and really good and really positive. What a nice guy. He wants me to heal. But that desire interferes with the process. That desire becomes contamination. If this were like a lab and I'm doing some chemical work, it's contamination. It's going to affect the result. So whether I desire for you to do well or poorly, either way, that desire contaminates the process. The job of the hypnotist is to remain in a state of zero desire. And that state of zero desire corresponds to a state of self-hypnosis. Because in that state of self-hypnosis, there are no desires. You're just there. And so as the person is talking, I'm able to ask questions and I'm able to ask clarifying questions. But I'm not really trying to, um, I'm not really trying to convince anybody of anything because I have no, I'm not desiring anything for them or for myself at that moment. I'm simply absorbing what they're saying in that state of hypnosis and so in a in a in a strange way but true what they're saying becomes a part of my experience in a sense i become them in a sense i live their lives in a sense i experience what they have experienced and so when they come back and the conversation continues i don't have to remember anything it's almost as if i've lived those experiences too we're talking about our lives now, I know that it might sound like I'm exaggerating a little, but it feels that way. And people who have come back to see me years after they last saw me always think that I have this really sophisticated note-taking system because I ask about the dog and what happened to the vaccine that the cat took and whether they, you know, and they go, dude, you remember that cat? That was 10 years ago. It's like, yes, the cat, you know, like what happened to your, in other words, because in a sense, it became my experience as well. And so we're just talking about a common experience. And that's what I mean by changing the self-image. That's what I mean by 
allowing yourself to access your own unconscious, it takes a great deal of courage because most people do the opposite. They want to defend themselves. They want to guard themselves against the contamination of another person's ideas. I did the opposite. I want to open up as much as possible and include their feelings, thoughts, emotions, and problems into me, into my experience, and then find a way to solve it together. So I practiced it this way, the way that I learned from my mentor for many years, and it worked remarkably well. I also got into trouble many times, and I tell my students openly, you know, when I certify students, and I've, um, like I told you, I've had 3,000 in-classroom students and about 5,000 online over the years. So a few students have been through my teachings off therapy, not not the other students, just the therapy part of it, which is different from the mystical. And um, I tell students openly, I said, look, I I have made more mistakes than all of you for sure, because I've been doing this longer, and probably more mistakes than you ever make, because I'm more daring than most people, and I've experimented so much, and I've been extremely active in the field, but not just in terms of the number of sessions, also in terms of how much I would push the envelope and try to do amazing things. And so when you do that much and you push the boundaries of what can be done so much, of course, I make a ton of mistakes and I made every mistake you can imagine. Um, But of course, from all of that, you know, we were able to learn quite a bit and able to help more people. So... And and I'm saying this because whenever I would describe this methodology that I'm describing to you right now, Irene, in terms of, you know, uh, incorporating the person's experience into your experience, that kind of thing that you're asking about, you know, because it really isn't a memory issue. It's more like, yeah, that's my my experience as well. You know, uh, when I would describe this, like, particularly in conferences to other professional hypnotists, you know, I would always raise eyebrows like, well, this is dangerous. This is not, you you really don't want to do that, you know. And people would tell me, no, you want to establish like a boundary. You want to be, you know, and I would say, no, quite the opposite. You know, we want to dissolve the boundary. That's what the true hypnotic experience is. And they would say, no, you want to establish a boundary. So this has been a point of contention in the profession way before my generation. You know, Freud talked about this and going back way back when, you know, this has always been whether you want to establish boundaries between therapist and client or whether you want to dissolve the boundaries and have two human beings become one for a moment. So, I don't know. I've worked uh, with the second um, point of view and it has produced some remarkable results and some problems as well And from, from time to time, I know. But overall, um, the, the problems that were caused by my methodology... You know, I've had to examine this very honestly because I'm responsible to my unconscious, to my teachers, you know. I, um, and in this world of the unconscious and mysticism and masters and gurus, in this world that I'm talking about, there's no such thing as hiding, if, if that makes any sense to you. So I cannot, I cannot present myself to my teacher with a story that's not true. My teacher can read my heart and my mind like like more than I can. In other words, you know, there's no way to hide, essentially, you know. So I've had to examine some of the mistakes and some of the problems that have occurred over the years and ask myself the following question. Did the hypothesis fail? In other words, is what I'm doing, is the problem with what I'm doing 
or was the problem that I didn't do what I do? In other words, did I fail or did the method fail? And, and, and that's a very important distinction. You know, did I allow my own needs to contaminate the process, thus generating the mistake, or is the method itself flawed? And to be honest with you, in every single case I can think of, it was always my own flaw, not the method's flaw. The method works flawlessly. It works perfectly well, provided that you can implement it perfectly, which I can't, but every year we improve. But the failures have not been, I do not believe the failures have been on the method. The failures have been on my ability to implement the method in some cases. I'll give an example. A woman came to see me once. And um, I remember I remember that session really well. It happened um, around the year 2000. And I remember the session well because it was the longest session I ever did. It lasted six hours. So she consumed a particular type of drug. And I've noticed that every time I worked with a person who consumed that kind of drug, the, the sessions would last minimally three hours. And eventually I realized that they would hypnotize me. You know, they would start telling stories about... and and and. I would get involved in those stories thinking that they're telling me something that's happening in this world. But the things they're describing were not happening in this world. They were happening in the world of their imagination. But since I was trying to get the story, a story that has no thread, has no logic, you know, I would get lost, not, not really lost in the story, but I would, like in my attempt to navigate through the maze of their fantasies, time would go by and the, the shortest of those sessions would last three hours you know and maximally in this one particular case it lasted six hours now when i left that session a six-hour session had you asked me i would have told you no we've been here for about an hour and a half maybe ran a little long maybe an hour 45. so we call this in hypnotism time distortion temporal distortion like you completely lose track of time temporal distortion. We use this to our advantage, for instance, when we work with a patient who wants to go into a dental procedure and is going to take a long time. So we use hypnotic suggestion to create temporal distortion. They think it only took 10 minutes, but it actually took two hours, you know, that kind of thing. So taking six hours in a session created uh, problems, right? You know, well, you know, that's an example, but but really, it wasn't because of the method. It was because I was not able, in that case, to apply the method perfectly well. And I can tell you all kinds of other mistakes, but I can also tell you about quite a few successes, you know, like the couple of people that I mentioned in tonight's class, and uh, and a few other thousands like that. And so it's, it's you know, what can you do? Nothing is perfect, but... but um, but so many people have done so well. It's absolutely beautiful. And I think that that the method um, works. And it works beautifully well. You simply relax yourself. You put yourself in a state of zero desire. You put yourself in a hypnotic state. You become absolutely neutral. And you sort of merge. And you sort of... Um, experience what the person is experiencing in such a way 
that it isn't a number of facts that you must remember, but instead they become a part of your experience. I hope this helps. I don't know. This is the best I can describe it to you. Does it help a little? Um, yes, thank you. 